Welcome to episode 59 of the Rogue Bogues basketball series. Uh, took a, a week off, had my kids in, uh, they had to go to the emergency room. So that's why we're out. I was in hospital with them at three, four, five, six in the morning and then bailed on the wife, went home, had a nap and did not want to get up and do the podcast um, and didn't know if I'd even be home. I didn't, I didn't think I'd even made it for our regular time. So that's why we're off last week. So I apologize for that. But welcome back, bro. Folks, man, when you told me that, it, it sort of gave me, it gave me some memories back a few months ago. My son, by the brain surgeon that he is, we gave him like fish cutlets, <laughs> right? Like mashed up. And yeah. all of a sudden he just keeps like, like pointing at his throat, right? He could, he could talk and everything all good. And my wife is like, a, she's a vet. So she, she's got some instruments or whatever. She looks down his throat. She had a, he had a fish bone in his throat caught in his like tonsil so we went from like quiet dinner to night in the hospital and like three grand later uh we we learned the hard way not to have any more fish fucking cutlets so yeah (laughs) i I, I, dude i you know that's why i was like yeah take care of your stuff man i'm glad everything's good though yeah all good man Uh, i had i think the adenovirus um which we've all got now um and i will tell you this pro 10 times worse than covid for kids in my opinion um, our kids had COVID about three months ago and it gave my one, one had a fever for literally 24 hours and a headache and that was it. Was swimming in the pool the next day, running around like they they do. This this adenovirus floored them, man. Um, yeah, floored them like on antibiotics, um, eye infection from it, ear infection, um, uh, coughing on, as soon as they lie down to sleep, it's just coughing, coughing and coughing. So I will say the adenovirus, um, that that one to me, in my opinion, has has been infinitely worse than COVID for, for the kids. So that's been an interesting note. But uh, enough with the Doctor Bogues and Doctor Pro. I'm sure people will love that. A lot to get through, man, because we missed we missed last week. So bear with us. We've got a lot of news to get through, but we will start. I will say this: um, people have been stopping me. I've been stopped now three or four times um, with people listening to our podcast. One guy at the gym actually had it on while he was working out and stopped me. And he's like, are you, are you Andrew Boga? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm just listening to your podcast right now. So we appreciate all the support. That's really, really cool to see. Filling up my car at a petrol station as well. Another guy comes up to me goes, listening to your podcast in the car. So we appreciate all that support. That's really cool to hear and kind of, kind of surreal to, to think there's people um, out there, you know, I'm doing my everyday, everyday chores and things and just coming up and saying hello. So that's, um, that's always cool, pro. No doubt, no doubt, and that and our listeners are great. Like you know, the messages we get, all the shit talking, DMs, and you know, it's been a real probably the most fun thing besides like paying attention a little bit more and talking hoop, but like having people that like like to talk shit, like basketball, like the fact that we don't do it like everybody else, and you know, we don't talk the same old bullshit. So it's uh, it's been pretty fun, man. It's good. Yeah, and keep sending in those. Useful, useless stats and fact or fake news. We've got one from a listener that's going to be on later. So we, we see most of those, they get flicked through to us. So we appreciate all that. But let's go. Team of the week for me, Pro. I think last week it would have been Boston for me, but now mm-hmm. that we're, it's a two-week hiatus, um, they're honorable mention. My honorable mentions, Phoenix, New Orleans are in there, I think. I think they're playing really well right now. Um, Toronto and Atlanta. 
But I've got to go with the Memphis Grizzlies. They are nine and one in their last 10, seven straight. Get this, pro. 20 and two without Ja Morant. That's 20 crazy. and two this season. That is insane. That is, he's an all NBA, all NBA level player. There's not many teams in the league that lose an all NBA type player. Maybe bar the Denver Nuggets um, that can, maybe the Clippers that can compete at this level. But Memphis locked up the two seed. They, they have a chance for the potentially, uh, I know they don't have a chance for the first, but they're going to hold on to the two seed. I mean, my question for you, Pro, are they for real? I mean, they're very well balanced. That's the one thing that sticks out for me, that they've got a young, tenacious group. They're very well balanced. Their confidence is on 10. Dylan Brooks on Andre Guadala. Quote, we had all the vision and he didn't. Send him back to the Warriors and let him do his thing there. Obviously referring to Andre Guadala holding out, um, uh, you know, a year or so ago. Didn't want to go to the Memphis Grizzlies when he was when he was traded there. So they're getting a bit of confidence about him. My question is, are they for real? Are they still a year away? They still need to take their lumps in the playoffs because they haven't showed us that in the playoffs. They are getting a little bit confident, but they are playing well. Pro, give me your thoughts on Memphis. Folks, you know what? Like, it, it is, you're right. Like, you, you look at them, it's, they haven't had a lot of success in the playoffs yet, but who cares for now? Like, it, it's, you know, they're running through teams. They're playing well. They're playing together. They got... You know, look, they've always had it, you know, back from the Zach Randolph, you know, the Zach Randolph and Tony Allen days. They've always had that sort of like, you know, beat the shit out of you mentality. And we don't really care who you are. We're going to run through you. You know, Jenkins, their coach, like give him the coach of the year already. Like it's he's done a fantastic job. They're sort of like a mini Miami in a sense that like they're getting this culture. They're getting this stigma of being tough. You know, next man up mentality. Obviously, without without Jai, you've got all these guys stepping up: Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks. You know, I mean, you got you got you know Kyle Anderson started and you know started the night, played really well. Like you know, Stephen Adams, one of my favorite centers. Like Brandon Clark plays well at times. Like you know, it's just they. You know what? They just keep playing and they just keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. I think they are for real. I think that if you sleep on them in a series. You know, if Phoenix sleeps on them or someone like that, that, you know, if they get there and, and they're healthy, you know, knock on wood, I think that they can go as yeah, they can go very far. They could even they could even challenge for the West. I, I wouldn't go that far so far, but I think they are for real. I think they can go deep in the playoffs. I, I, I like this group. I like their coaching staff and I think they'll do really well. Yeah, you look at their their scoring right now. John Moran, obviously twenty seven point six. Desmond Bain eighteen point two. Dylan Brooks eighteen point five. Jaron Jackson Jr. sixteen point three. Anthony Melton's at ten point eight. Brandon Clark's at ten point three. And then they've got a bunch of guys that are eight seven 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 seven. Really well balanced team, like really well balanced. And, and we see that. That's you know John Moran's out, and they're they're balling just as well without him. Um, but I still do believe people, there's people out there that say you know. Well, they better maybe they're, maybe they're better without John Morant. You need a John Morant in the playoffs because things are going to bog down. You need a guy that can get a bucket single handedly. Um, I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine, and he was kind of saying, "Oh, do you think they're better without him? They're, they're born without him." I said, "You need a guy like that in the playoffs." And pro, who was the last team in your opinion that won an NBA championship that didn't have a standout All NBA kind of Hall of Fame type guy? Who, who was the last team for you? Oh, Bogues. You know, and I'm probably wrong on this, but I would say the Detroit Pistons when bang, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I said the exact same thing, and that's what, what 15, 20 years ago now, yeah, <laughs> fifteen, yeah, yeah. right? You, some people might say the Spurs, but Tim Duncan's All NBA. Yeah, but you look at that Pistons team; 
there's not one one guy on that roster that you're like, that's the best player. They had four or five guys that were like, oh, they're kind of even. You know, yeah. Tayshon brings something that Rashid doesn't, that Ben Wallace doesn't, Chauncey, rip running off screens. They were the last team. So it doesn't happen very often. You'd like to see it more, but you need that all-NBA, hey, our offense is shitty. We can't move the ball. Throw it to Steph Curry. Throw it to Kyrie Irving. Throw it to LeBron James. Get us a damn bucket. And Memphis needs that in John Morant. So that'll be my rant there. But who do, who do you have? I have the Toronto Raptors, folks. It's a tough one because there's a bunch of teams playing well, but Toronto, in my opinion, like the the, the job Nick Nurse and those those guys have done down there up there is tremendous, man. You know, they they're running through teams. You know, they beat they beat Boston at home by three, even though Boston didn't have a lot of their crew. You know, they beat Minnesota, who's been playing really, really well. I think they beat them by over 20 points, you know, you know, at home and you know, they've been playing, ex- 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 you know, they've been playing very, very well. I think those guys, you know, they're they're charging. They're playing, especially at home, they're really tough to beat. Scotty Barnes and Siakam and, you know, Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet. Like, they've, you know, OG, you know, OG Anonobi. Yeah, yeah, nice pronunciation there. <laughs> but, like, those guys have been playing really, really well. They're hard, you know, on the road, maybe a little bit different team. But I'll tell you what, they're like... You know how Miami, like everybody goes there and they, you know, they got a chance against anybody. When you go up to Toronto, you got to go through fucking, you know, you, you know, you got to go through customs that night and all that shit. It's got to be something, man, because they, they play really well at home, in my opinion. That's well, a pain in the ass of a city to get to, man. It is a, in the NBA circuit because you got to go through. A, by what I mean by that is every NBA city you land, the bus is on a tarmac. You get on your bus, you go to the hotel, it saves you about an hour and a half of going through the bullshit in Toronto. You got to get off, wait on a bus. Oh, sorry, they come on the plane, check your passport, get off, then they, you got to take your, your, your luggage through like a, a terminal, then they check your passport again, then go through, then wait on the bus, and it takes an extra hour or two. So if, if you're landing at 1 a.m., that's a 4 a.m. arrival at the hotel, right? Um, yeah. And it is a pain in the ass. But yeah, Toronto's balling, man. They are, they're very well balanced too, like the Toronto, uh, like the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Van Vliet. Uh, Siakam's there, their leader, point, points wise, 22.3. Van Vliet at 20.3. Anobi, I think that second end, Silent Pro, OG Anobi. Oh, uh, 17, 17.3, Gary Trent Jr. at 18. Scotty Barnes, potential rookie of the year, 15.4. And then they've got a bunch of guys that are nine points, six points. So they're doing really well. Um, eight and two in their last 10. Um, they've won, what do they won? Five straight. They're sixth in the East. I don't think they can, they can't get to four. They can they can jump. Uh, they're tied with the Bulls for fifth. So that doesn't really matter. I think that's that's matchup dependent on who they think. That right now they'd play the Celtics. If they move up to five, they get the 76ers. Depends what they want there, I think. Um, but they can't really get home court, I don't think, unless something drastic happens. Like the, the 76ers just go on, just absolutely implode. Which could happen. They're not playing that well, but uh, yeah, looking good for for the Toronto Raptors. I like I like the direction. I, I didn't have them doing as well, and they're mm-hmm. definitely surprised. Nick, Nick Nurse has definitely definitely done a great job. So um, that's a good one. Uh, team of the week, poor team. Uh, pretty simple, pro. Uh, I mean, yeah. My honorable mentions here, the Lakers, but we could give them that award every week. Uh, no, the no, Warriors. folks, folks, <laughs> Lakers aren't eligible anymore. Not they're out of the top ten. They're not, not Just, eligible. Yes, yeah. by, by one game. Yeah, by one yeah. game. But I yeah. had to mention them. Uh, the yeah. Warriors, obviously, with Steph out, they've, they've taken their lumps. But the Utah Jazz, you, you mentioned that you think they're point shaving pro. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, you know, you ex- <laughs> like they, look, Bogdanovich is out, no doubt about it. That's tough. Like you know, they traded away Ingles. He got you know with the injury and things, but like, like they 
without that, you still have your two best players and you have a bunch of your rotation. Like, you can't just go to, like, who was it when they got shelled by? Was it Boston? They lost yeah, by Boston. Like 30 to somebody. And then they were up, the, they were beating the Clippers by 20 and then lost that game somehow. I looked at the score in the third. I'm like, that one's over. Looked back and I'm like, how did they lose? Oh, God. It's unbelievable. Yeah, four and six in their last 10. Um, and lost five straight. Probably would have been six straight if it was anyone but the Lakers. So they beat the Lakers a couple of nights ago to break that, that, that streak. It just doesn't look good. It just... I don't know. Is it Joe Ingles? I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. To me, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a factor. It's a, you know, he's not a he's not a superstar player that's going to go out there and change the game completely. But I think as far as a locker room presence, I think he brought a lot of veteran leadership. I know he's one of those guys. If if, if Rudy's getting ahead of himself or Donovan, Joe would throw out some sarcastic jive like, "Hey, man, like, you know." getting ahead of yourself, blah, 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 um, and, and kind of, you know, settle things down. But, yeah, I think they miss him. They just miss his calmness. They could move him to the point and, and keep Donovan at that natural two scoring guard position. I think when they when they take Conley out of that lineup and put Mitchell at the one, it becomes very isolated. And I, I just don't think Mitchell is that distributor or, or ball movement guy that, that Conley or an Ingles was. So I think it does hurt him. And then Bogdanovich being in and out of the lineup doesn't help neither. But uh, they, they, they look – they don't look great. And then they've they've talked about we're not hitting panic stations, we've been through this, we're not we're not we're not separating internally in the locker room, but there's writing on the wall for me, bro. I, I think, you know, this is <clears throat> we've talked about it a lot probably the last two years. Um, this is a do or die year for them, in my opinion. I mean, it's make or break. They they gotta show that this roster can actually get out of the, you know, first slash second round and make a push because there's the Donovan Mitchell rumors of going you know, to a bigger market in New York. Now we've got Rudy Gobert popping up that the Mavs are interested. Um, so there's a lot going on there, and I think this is it for the Jazz. I think if they don't make a deep run here, you have to blow it up. You have to, you have to start again. And, and, I mean, I know they want to keep Donovan, but I just I think they might just need a, you know, slash AD, slash maybe even Zion. Just, just if, 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 if it's done, it's done. Move on from him and start rebuilding with some other guys. But they're, uh, you know, they're not looking too good. Well, it's like if this was February and March, I would be like, ah, yeah, you know, Okay. All right. They, they, they have plenty of time to get it right. Like I always think that by April Fool's Day, you better be, fo- you better be playing, you know, because like that's when you got to really be in it with your team and playing well and hitting the stride and all right, we're, all right, we're coming for you now. This is a playoff time. We're ready. I mean, the, the way they've been playing, shit, the way they've been playing for the last six weeks, I mean, you know, it's not a representation. Of, look, you know, Danny Ainge, if he feels as though it needs to make a move, he'll make moves. He'll, he'll break a team apart and build it up again. But, like, he won't if he feels as though there's something going. But, like, this isn't – if everybody wants to stay together and, you know, everybody wants to stay employed, like, all right, let's go together. This is good. Like, we're going to stay together. You know, we got to show them that this is it. We can make a run at this thing. And this is not how to show it. I mean, they're getting blown out left and right. Yeah, they get injury issues. but. Folks, who the fuck doesn't have injury issues yeah, exactly. at this point of the year? Everybody's banged up. But you know what? It's next fucking man up. You know, all this shit about, oh, you know, underdog this and haters this and haters that. I fucking hate that word. It's probably the first time I've ever used it in a sentence. And I want to fucking throw up using it. But, like, everybody wants to say that shit. But, like, when, when it's nutcracking time and said, you know what? It's time to fucking show up. And you put up your know, performances like that. It's embarrassing fucking embarrassing and 
I, I just don't see cheap holes. I don't know. I, I, I don't study it like that. But I never remember a team that's playing this poorly into the playoffs and then them just like make a run and storm through teams. Maybe the bubble, got to check out Miami and those guys like in the Lakers, how they were playing at the end of the year. But the, this team has been off for like over a month, almost two. I don't know how they, I don't know how they rectify this. And I'll be honest with you, if they do break it up, I don't see them taking all these veterans and things like that. I don't, I don't see Danny being like, all right, I'm going to do this and do that. I, I see them breaking it up. If Donovan's like one foot out, like people say is, I don't know. I have no intel to say that. But like if he's one foot out, one, one foot in, one foot out, I don't think Danny's going to, if they're going to reshape this team, is going to reshape it like that. I think they're going to go young. I think they're going to go, you know, they're going to trade those guys for young assets that, that could really develop and be good and then just go forward with that. But it's, it, it's bad. I, I picked them too. You know, they just, they just have not been playing well. And, and you know, they've been, they've been pretty sorry to watch. Yeah, and as of today, it's looking like they'll get the Warriors or the Mavericks um, in the first round. I mean, the Mavs could jump up to the three. I think they could get the Warriors, though, Pro. Uh, you know, as bad as they're playing because of the Steph thing. The, the Warriors just look clunky right now. It's Wiggins is, is, has had a horrible month post-All-Star or a couple of months. Um, Draymond's coming back into shape, um, but Draymond excels with both those Splash brothers next to him. His game goes to another level because he can be his, his natural role of what he does. Um, and Clay's been struggling. He's been up and down with the injuries. So, you know, that's that's a smoky. They could get through that one and um, possibly get through them. I, I, I bet they'd be cheering for the Warriors, Stephless, with that, um, rather than the Mavericks. That's what you want. So that could be – but they could fall to six. Um, you know, they could fall to six. You know, it's it's the Nuggets are only half a game behind them. So it will be interesting to watch, but the Jazz, yeah, they're, they're in all sorts. So let's just put it all down to Joe Ingles. Um, should have kept him as a spirit animal in that locker room because I think he's a good soul to have around. But each to their own. All right, I've got a few quick fire things to get through because we've got a lot on this run sheet. So these ones we're going to get through quickly because Pro and I can go on, on, on five-minute rants with things. But Michael Malone signs a long-term extension with the Nuggets. Deserve, Pro? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hard-nosed guy. Has done a lot with you know all those injuries. No excuses. Guy gets it done, and he could get he can he could actually coach Demarcus Cousins. Something that twenty nine other fucking coaches could do. So give it give it to him. Yes, I agree. I, I was with him in Golden State. I loved him. Um, really really smart guy. Bright guy. Loves a game. Gets the best out of his guys. And, and the Nuggets, in my opinion, severely overachieved this season. No one would have picked them without two max guys. Uh, all, you know, borderline all NBA or, or top 30 players that are out. Porter Jr. probably a little bit outside of that, but Jamal Murray's definitely in there to, to do as well as they have. But good good on Michael Malone. Don't spend it all at once. Wiseman out for the year. I think it's hurts their big man death. We all talk about Steph being, you know, out as well. People forget their big man depth is is, is all-time low. Um, and I thought, I've said it a hundred times, I thought they'd pick up someone around around the uh, buyout market, even DeAndre, or maybe if Dwight showed up, whoever. Didn't happen. Um, this then means that small ball lineup will have to be perfect. And it's going to be, instead of 30 minutes of small ball, it's probably going to be closer to 40 minutes. Puts a lot of pressure on Draymond at the five. They run into a Denver, a, a, the Denver Nuggets now. All of a sudden, you got to, you know, Draymond's guarding Jokic a lot, taking away his legs a little bit. You got to guard, foul trouble. So I think this causes a little bit of rotation issues and their big man death pro. What are your thoughts? Well, my thought is that fucking intern that gave Steve Kerr the lineup change when you guys won it like a decade ago. Well, that that motherfucker better come up with a second good idea and give him some lineup help. <laughs> he needs some fucking help. 
I think, yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a, a perfect time for, you know what, fuck it. Let's just go small. We can't, we got to do it. And it's tough in the playoffs. You know how this is, folks, especially when you go deeper in the playoffs, you need size because people just kill you on that, you know, that switch and just post you, post you, post you and mid-range you and, and do all that. But I think like if Jonathan Kaminga wants to show people that he's really worth his money and worth the draft, the high draft and all that stuff, like guys like that, Otto Porter, Polizia has got to do something, you know, Moses Moody got to show a little bit of something. We obviously know the starters and stuff, but I just, I think you got to go small and Iguodala has got to give you a few minutes. Uh, yes, this hurts him. I'm not a huge Wiseman fan, but I think he's a souped up Dwayne Dedman. And, you know, I don't think it's a great player, but he could give him a little bit of help, but this is going to hurt. But you know what? They've been dealing with this shit all year with, with these little nagging injuries. So it'd be interesting. Sorry for that. And look, no disrespect to Kevin Looney. Kevin Looney, he's he's very solid for him. So he's a solid, but not not a not a huge rim presence as far as blocking shots. Um, but just does his job. He's solid, but he needs those stars around him. So I still think they they, they could have done with a big. And I see all your Warriors fans tweeting me saying, "Can I come back? I haven't I haven't played basketball for two years, so I'd be about as useful as pro on a basketball court right now." So um, actually, no. folks, if they, if they check their stat your stat line. They, they, they would have said you haven't played in three and a half years, but that's just my own, my own opinion. <laughs> wow. Even NBL, that's a bit harsh. Um, I had a good run with the Warriors. I had a, had a few nice yeah, games when I went back a, there. Hey, you had a good run on the fucking treadmill for about a million five, so that's, that's pretty tough. <laughs> sure did. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> no, I, I got there thinking that, and then both bigs in front of me went down with the injury, and I'm like, I, I was just coming here to be the – 13th guy to clap and cheer on the bench and wave a towel and hopefully get a ring and you want me to play 20 minutes a game now? Holy shit. So that was interesting but story for another day. Robert Williams a big out for the Celtics in the playoffs. Pro I think this is going to hurt them a little bit. Um, He's having a a great year. One of the best rim protectors in the league analytically. Um, Been real solid for him. Just a great role playing big man. He's kind of grown into a a good role. He's out four to six weeks with a bad knee. Had a clean out I believe. Do you think this hurts the Celtics? I think it hurts them tremendously. I mean they've been playing really well. I mean they They've gone from like totally separate team to now uh, really together, playing well, playing on both ends of the floor. Robert Williams gives them that shot blocker, that rim runner, that, you know, the guy that just gives them that energy and that, that, that extra just oomph, like that athleticism in the front court. You know, Daniel Theis is good and Grant Williams and Al Horford, but like there's a big difference between those guys and Robert Williams. I think it hurts them tremendously. Especially defensively, yeah. Defensively is where, and you know, Robert Williams doesn't need the ball. I mean, the pressures. Thice has been playing better for him. Horford's getting older, but being solid, so they'll be okay. But I think they definitely will be welcoming welcoming his return. I think four to six weeks is is kind of optimistic too. So we'll see how that goes. Ty Lu made some interesting comments. He said that Embiid and Harden are one and three in the league in free throw attempts. Take that away, and neither would be in the top ten in scoring. Fair point. We've we've talked about this the last probably the last couple of months, where a friend of mine noted that check the free throw attempts the last couple of months and check the the fouls that they've called. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, preseason point of emphasis was they're going to stop the BS fouls and guys searching for fouls. That's all come back. Um, the BS fouls have once again increased, especially when you watch those Philadelphia seventy sixes. But uh, does does Tyloo have a point? I mean, without question. I mean, right now, my stats are showing, my database is showing that uh, Embiid's averaging 11.7 free throw attempts a game. Um, I mean, that's big time. I mean, you go into the line almost like 12 times a game. Those are huge numbers. And to be able to do that, and then James Harden, I don't know his numbers. I haven't, I don't have them in front of me, but, you know, obviously he's up there too. I, I remember that first day you were like, 
that first game goes, it's going to be like 40 free throws. And it was, it was something huge and ridiculous. Uh, I don't know about 40, but it was up there, but you know, I, I think he definitely has a point. Those guys get to the free throw line. I mean, they're tremendously talented guys scoring the ball, but um, I, I think they, they master the ability to get to the free throw line. And without those free throws there, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot hotter to, it's one of the most efficient shots in basketball, obviously. You know, people shoot it around 75%. So, yeah, it's like 1.5 points per possession, you know, as far as like getting to the line. If those, yeah, that's hard to, it's hard to grind out. As you know, it's hard to grind out half court, you know, half court makes, half court makes. If you could just get to the free throw line every other time, it's fucking, you know, you're pretty much, you know, pretty much guaranteed 20, 25 a night. Harden's at 9.9 and actually, uh, what is that, a six year high in free throw attempts with Philly? He is currently, believe it or not. That's um, you know, and, and they're supposed to have all these point of emphasis on on stopping the Harden type fouls. Well, he's he's at the moment nine point nine. His last five years eight point eight, eight point five, seven point three, seven point five, seven point three. So doing pretty well. Um, but yeah, the Philly are hard to watch in my opinion because of that. Um, but I mean, I'm all for if it's a foul, it's a foul. But the shenanigans have definitely increased. Yusuf Nurkic a couple of weeks ago, pro, you would have seen this. Went up to a fan that was recording him talking shit. Apparently, the, the fan reportedly said something about his mum and grandma, said his mum is trash and his grandma is a bitch. His grandma recently passed away with COVID, reportedly. Nurkic walked up to the fan, grabbed his phone, picked it up out of his hands and threw it into the stands. <laughs> Good or bad? Bogues, I would have been... Nah, I can't even say that. <laughs> that. That is a Swedish massage compared to what that kid should have got from that guy. You know, you know what I'm saying? There, there, there's a little bit, yeah. look, I would have rather the guy said, you're an asshole, fuck off, da, da, da. But when you're, you know, you say that about somebody's, you, and, and you know that fucking kid did his homework. You know, that little fucking cross-eyed motherfucker did his homework and, and, and wanted to get under that guy's skin. Like there's, there's different things about saying some guy's fat and overweight. That's fine. That's on him. You start going after family, fuck that shit. That, that's some bullshit. Yeah, I agree. If it's if it's if it's true, um, you know they have to find him obviously because they don't want players starting to think that's okay. But I, I've been in situations where I've so badly wanted to do that because there's fans out there that will say shit and they have their phone out purposely looking for that reaction and they post it online and think they're heroes and get a bunch of views. But every athlete in the world has wanted to at one point grab someone's phone and just throw that thing. But uh, I think it was warranted. You can't condone it. But if, if that, those comments were made, you know you wouldn't say that to someone in the street. Last one on the quick fires, ejections. There was a Middleton flagrant last night on Bruce Brown on a fast break. It was it was a questionable one, but there was an even worse one, Austin Rivers versus Lance Stevenson. Oh. Austin Rivers kind of half, you know, Lance Stevenson did this the standard street ball move of getting right up and under Austin Rivers 30 feet from the basket, you know, basically had his chin on his chest and Austin Rivers somewhat swung through, not not too aggressively. It was a mild swing through and, and grazed him, maybe yeah. grazed him with his bicep. I think the flab, the fatty part of his bicep, of his tricep, just might have skimmed the the uh, hair on his goatee and he got ejected for that. That one to me was ridiculous. Um, you, you, I don't, um, I mean, maybe it was the intent that they were injected for. The Middleton one on 50-50, prior, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I think the fall... If Bruce Brown would have just went up quickly and laid it up, he wouldn't have got hit. But when he gathered on two, slowed down. Middleton was going for the ball at the start, and then I think he once he knew he was going to miss, I think the hold on to the arm got Middleton, right? But then on the same, at the same time, you're taught if you're going to foul someone on a break, you foul them so they don't get the and one. So it's a tough one. What are your thoughts on the Middleton one first? Folks, I don't... Um, 
I don't think that there's a right answer on the Middleton one because the guy was just trying to chase something down. Yes, you could have said that Brown should have shouldn't have you know shouldn't have slowed down. I don't know if he knew he was coming or not and wanted to show him up. Maybe not, but like there's nothing you could do about that. You can't tell Brown well you got to go full speed. You you can't or you could slow down like you know you can't tell Middleton to not go after it, especially if he has a chance to get the ball. I don't know, Bogues, to tell you the truth. There's no there's no right answer. Obviously, you don't want to see the kid hurt or anybody get hurt. But, yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, just fucking just just get up the floor and, and lay it in. He, hey, he's a Boston kid. He's, you know, he played for the AU team that he used to be affiliated with. You know, I love the kid. But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you expect Middleton to do? Not go after it, especially after you slow down. You know, he, he's trying to get the ball. What are you going to do? Bogues, what do you think? You're the player in this. I'm, Tough I one. I think I think it was once he missed the ball, foul, chopped him. I think it was the hang on and chop, which you're taught to do. You're not taught to do, but you, you know, like I said, you're told not to give up and ones. You're told to hold them as much as you can so they can't get the ball to the rim. That's what cost him. But I think you also have to factor in which you know the league and people out there say it doesn't matter. Middleton's not that guy, right? Like he he doesn't have form no. for doing this. Yeah. So I think the benefit of the doubt must go towards you know this isn't a guy that does that. Like so, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But the Austin Rivers Lance Stevenson one was 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 absolutely bonkers. Oh like, just, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe they threw him out for it. Folks, I don't. Th- I didn't think he even touched him. He barely touched. That's what I'm saying. Him. Yeah, it's at, crazy. at best, the flab on his <laughs> tricep touched the hair on on Lance's chin. Like it's if you're going to start doing that, there's going to be a lot of ejections. I know the NBA is trying to create a, a safe workspace, make sure guys don't get hurt. But you know, there also is an onus on Lance Stevenson, like. The, the hardest thing is when guys get up under you like that, you've got, really got nowhere to go because you've got to swing your elbows either above their head or you got to get the ball really low and under them. And, you know, there needs to be some sort of protection for the guy with the ball as well in that, in that situation. Um, it, is a, it is an interesting interesting strategy by Stevenson that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But to get to get a guy ejected for that, that the NBA definitely needs to fix that. And, and there was a lot of people outraged with that. I know Kevin Durant commented on it, a few other guys saying the league needs to fix this. This is ridiculous. I would agree. All right, let's get in depth now. Jimmy Butler altercation was about two weeks ago. This was really interesting. Um, gets into it heavily with head coach um, Eric Spolestra, like really, really blatant, fiery, back and forth, hold me back, so much so that they, they then went on the court. Um, the coach was still going after him. They both had to be held back continuously. Um, the timeout was useless. Then you see Udonis Haslam then saying he was going to kick um, Jimmy Butler's ass. Um, the, o, the OG realized that Jimmy was in the wrong Jimmy's had some form like this and generally gets the benefit of the doubt because he is a fiery, passionate guy. Um, from what we hear, it's, it's, it's never his fault. It's all about you know the competitiveness and the fire, but it's, it's starting to follow him, pro. Um, These the situations are starting to follow him and they, they took a downward spiral that last couple of weeks, but I will give them credit. They have rebounded since then. They went in a spiral even before that altercation. They lost some games. They lost some after that, but now they've they've regrouped. They're still first in the East by half a game. They've got a little a little you know win streak, and um, they've they've won their last couple of games. Uh, but but what are your thoughts on all that? Well, folks, it's never really it's never good to have anything like that happen in a huddle or on the sideline during a game. Timeout. Coach wants to fight the player. Well, he didn't really. Want, I mean, he wanted to fight him, but he didn't want to fight him. He knew just like most NBA players, he knew exactly where the people were that was going to hold them back when he was, you know, coming at him. But 
like if you listen to the press conference after or, or, or in, the, in the coming days after that, he's basically like, that's our culture. It's how we talk to each other in practice and things of that nature. Um, it's just never good to spill on the court like that. Now, something I read something and I don't really like to read things on on situations because you don't know how true or not true it is. That's something like Haslam went up to him and said, you know, you would have never made it in my era. And he goes, well, you're only relevant because of D Wade. I think he said the same thing to Spolster in that huddle. And I think that that's when it just sort of, you know, it just went nuts. Look, the guy's a competitor, right? But he's got a little bit of defective genes. He wears out his welcome in some, some of the places that he's at. He's a competitor. You love him. You love to have him on your team. But sometimes he just sort of gets a little bit too much. And I don't know, like, look, they were struggling. You know how it is when you're a good team and you're struggling and, you, and you're losing to teams you shouldn't lose to. And everybody's just frustrated and, and sick of each other. It's fucking March, April, like. They're tired of being around each other. They're fucking, you know, and, 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 you know, playoffs are coming. You know, you were, you, you had a really comfortable lead in the East. And now it's like, you know, now you're losing it to Boston or you're only a half game up, one game up here and there. I think it gets frustrated and things get, and things get said. But look, I, I've always said it on this podcast. I say it in life. I'm never going to treat, I'm never going to tell somebody how they should feel about something. You say something that crosses a certain line. I don't give a fuck. Like, you just you, you lose it. We all have that line that if you cross, we go nuts on. And that's Bolster did. And, you know, Haslam did. And what are you going to do it? But it's just embarrassing just to sort of carry that out. Then you got Spolster throwing a throwing a notebook or throwing a clipboard down in this direction. It's like, look, there was nothing that was going to happen. Spol- look, Spolster's a fiery guy. I think he's the best coach in the league. It's not even close. But like he's a he's a competitor. He's a he's a good dude, you know, but like the whole I'm going to fight you thing. Hey, look, that's a Riley thing, like the, the competitiveness and sort of that type of deal. But it's just it's never a good look. But hey, look, like I said, that's how he feels. He he wanted to show that he's not going to you know back down. Spolster's not one of those guys who's, who's Mr. Tough Guy trying to fight everybody all the time. So he must have said something like that was pretty bad that sort of struck a chord. There's like, fuck off. I'm not going to I'm not going to take that shit. So, hey, look, as a player, you could say what you want. You, you own the kingdom sometimes. But like you, you know, sometimes somebody's going to call you on your shit, and that's what happened. And it's unfortunate. I don't know who's right, who's wrong. I wasn't there in in the huddle, but just not a great look. Yeah, I agree. It just yeah, especially when it's out in the open. Sometimes they they hold for locker rooms, but we'll see how they go. And you know, if they they get to a conference finals or a finals, it'll all be you know water under a bridge. Doc Rivers reportedly. Some players are not feeling Doc Rivers pro now. This is from a pretty good source, um, according to. The Ringer NBA um, analyst Wozni Lambray, who claims to have sources within the locker room, um, claims to have actually ran into a player on a New York road trip um, who, you know, made some interesting comments. But basically, some of the players are not feeling Doc Rivers, his rotations, his philosophy, pro. Um, do we want to gamble on on who your guess is on some? No, this could be this could go either way. This could be role players not playing a lot that are that are a bit pouty as soon as you hear rotations. Or it could be, you know, um, James just got there. We know he carries that kind of form of leaking stuff like this. So um, pretty interesting that this this rears its ugly head right before the playoffs when they're supposed to be a championship caliber team. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, Doc, look, I have got the utmost respect for the guy. He's a, he's a really good coach. I mean, I know the playoff stuff about losing early and things. I mean, obviously, that's that's a written record. It's nothing that uh, you can't really – it's not it's not a – it's not really a subjective thing. It's it's sort of like it's it's black and white. They haven't done great in the playoffs in a long time. Um, 
Yeah, sometimes, look, you, you know how this stuff goes. Look, we did that study a few, a few months ago. If, you know, team coaches average three and a half years in a spot and then they have to move on. Sometimes, like, your voice, it, it starts falling on deaf ears. You got people that are just you know, tired of it. Doc's not a guy that's going to back down from anybody. Like, yeah, he'll treat his superstars in certain ways. He'll treat them and make sure they're, they're, they're taken care of. But he calls everybody out, at least when I was around him in Boston. Um, sometimes people don't want to hear that shit anymore, and that's up to them. I think he's good. To me, I don't know. I think the, I think the Lakers are begging for a change in Philly because I think he'll, they'll bring him. I said this about a month ago. I think they want to bring him to L.A. You know, to be their next coach. So I think they're, they're begging for it. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's tough. It's tough not winning. That they have, they have a, you know, they have those guys. They made that trade. Um, everybody's they're struggling. They're just struggling right now. They're struggling. Okay. And hey, Bogues, I, I like. They might be able to get out of the first round with Chicago or Toronto, whoever they're going to face in the first round. But do you really like? Do you really think that they could beat? Well, if, if Williams comes back for the second round, do you think they can beat a South Boston, a Milwaukee, a Miami? Fuck a Brooklyn. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Not the way they're playing now. It's it's and you know generally in the playoffs the referees tidy up that they're supposed to tidy up that um the bullshit foul calling too. So um, don't be surprised if you see Embiid and Harden shoot less free throws per game in the playoffs than they did in the regular season, which would definitely affect their scoring. And even with that, um, they're still struggling. They're not, they're not they're not guarding. They're not playing well. Um, it just looks helter skelter at the moment. So, just interesting that that read that 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 was reported. You know, a um, couple of weeks before the playoffs start, you just don't want that kind of stuff. All right, facing potential playoff games in Toronto. This is an interesting one. Um, Celtics and 76ers declined to say whether their teams are fully vaccinated, whether all their players are fully vaccinated. Toronto has a mandate. You cannot get in the country. You cannot get into Canada. Period. Without it. Uh oh, bro. This is interesting because this could this could greatly affect what's going on. And and you know we know that um, Brooklyn's had this mandate. It's been lifted. We don't. I don't think Canada's going to lift it anytime soon. Uh, this could severely, you know, impact things. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, the, the worst thing for the NBA would be if the Celtics had three or four players or the 76ers had three or four players that couldn't couldn't show up and they're star players or big rotational players. What do they do? That's a good question, Bogues. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's they obviously going to have to play without them. Now, it's interesting. I wonder, like, and I don't know the rules on this, but I wonder what, how many vaccines or booster shots you need to be able to play. Like, is it just a, the first level? Is it all your vaccines? Because, you know, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown didn't make the trip the, the last game because of, of some, you know, injury management stuff. But they played before. They played, like, early in the season. To Toronto. Yeah. They, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I think they did play at Toronto. At Toronto. Yeah, if I'm not mm. mistaken. So... I might have to re I might have to recheck that, but I'm almost positive they did play. So like, cause at first I was like, wait a minute, those guys didn't play. And, and it was sort of like injury management. I know it was off on a back to back, but they didn't make the trip. I wonder if they sort of, maybe they're the ones, but they, I think I checked it now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a game at Boston, but I do remember those guys, um, those guys um, playing in the game. Again, I have to check that out, but, yeah, I'm not sure when the mandate came into place. Maybe, you know, in yeah. November. 
I don't know. Wasn't in, wasn't in place and they could have flown in. But I don't know who it is. I don't know who the players are. But the NBA, the NBA's got to be worried. You, you have you have two potential playoff teams that could maybe have you know only sixty seven percent of their roster. If there's a couple of players, right? And let's say one of them one of them happens to be a star. That'll be interesting, not only for for the games, but for TV, for for, for whatever, right? Um, we know, you know, the NBA looks at that stuff closely. So I'll just be interested to see what happens um, whether they start trying to pressure those guys to get it now, or whether they don't, or the players hold their line. Um, you know, that's going to be an, an interesting thing to watch that can can really affect who gets through. It might be, a, you know, we should hopefully get. Toronto should have been fighting for that number one spot from the start, bro. Yeah, no <laughs> every, shit. Yeah. every round they'd play half depleted teams of guys that aren't. Now I'm not sure if Toronto, if Canada's booster or if it's just double. Um, don't quote me on it, but I believe it's just double. But I know a lot of players haven't have elected to not get the booster, so that's that's interesting in itself. But something to watch for people out there. Adam Silver says the NBA won't bo- boycott China, and and kind of alluded to he doesn't know why the NBA is being singled out and picked on to boycott China when everyone else isn't. Well, I'll give you one tip. I think the reason why people bring that up is because the NBA voices a lot more social justice causes than than than, than other leagues. Uh, I think people are throwing it back that you shouldn't be able to pick and choose social justice causes. I agree to that with that to an extent. But uh, he also denies Ennis being blacklisted from the NBA. Now pro, I agree with I agree with Adam Silver. I I, I, I did agree with Adam Silver fully, 100% agreed that I don't think Ennis is being blacklisted. I will go on record and say I think Ennis is still a top 10 roster player. I think he's He's a decent. He's a pretty good backup big in the league. I think he can do a whole lot worse. I think he's still top a top ten on most rosters. Until I read pro that games came back on TV in China, pretty much within a week or so after Ennis was cut. <laughs> conspiracy pro? Is it a conspiracy? Or is it just just a coincidence? I don't know, Bogues. I, I really don't like. I, I do agree with you. He's a he's a good player, right? But. Let's be honest, though, it's like he calls out every team that he plays on, the last couple of teams. Look, I know Ennis. I know him very well. I worked with him when he was 16 years old when he came over here. I, I think he's a, a good kid, you know, tough. He, he made a good career for himself in the NBA. But he opens a lot of this stuff up for himself, not necessarily just for the social justice stuff in China and, and, and calling people. But, like, when you call out your bosses and you call out your team, constantly like fucking owners and gms and coaches don't want to deal with that shit man now you know i don't think he's getting blackballed i think it is a little strange that those games came on but i don't think it's a i don't i mean he look he he was the number one guy making the most noise about it no doubt about it in the nba but i just think that like i don't know bogues i don't know it's i don't he's not being blacklisted in my opinion i think if he you know i just think People are tired of him the last few years of his career. He made a lot of noise on some things. And just in general, not not necessarily the causes that he was with or against, but like mostly just calling his own bosses out. You can't burn that many bridges. And he's not that good of a player to burn that many bridges. Like, hey, look, if he's just silent about it, he wore his shoes or whatever. But like, I think it's like the commentary about it. Um, I, I'm with Silver too. Like, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, being blackballed but the whole china thing the games being on like right after he got let go is a very you know it's very uh interesting for sure it's what a do you strange think? coincidence it's a strange coincidence I don't, I don't think it's a conspiracy look i think he i wouldn't say he's being blackballed but i think teams just i think 
it could be called, you could label it as blackboard. I think teams just don't want to deal with it. I think teams don't want to have him wearing those free Olga shoes. They don't want him commenting about it. That, you know, I think China pays a lot of money to the NBA. Billions of dollars were lost with Daryl Morey's posts and even some of Ennis's comments. Um, so I think teams are just like, you know what, like he could help us, but we don't want to deal with off-court shit. Um, and that not isn't just solely the China stuff, but he's all the extra attention. His politics obviously don't align with 90% of what NBA players should be saying and talking about um, politically. So I think that's definitely a factor where teams are probably like, hey, we bring this guy in the locker room. He's kind of contra of, of what most guys are kind of feeling politically. Um, will that cause issues? Which I don't think it will. I think it's each to their own. Um, but I think teams just probably a, a cognizant of that. Now, if he was a top 30 All-NBA player, it'd be a different story. You'd deal with it, right? But I think the fact that he's a rotational player, I think teams are just like, you know what? We can get a guy around about his production that's that's not going to do that and we'll take them. So I don't know if it's blacklisting, but it's close. I think teams, when, when it's benefit of the doubt and you've got player A and player B and they're close, they're always going to go with the other one, even if NSC is a little bit better just because of the off-court stuff. So you can't fold a team for that. I don't agree with it completely, but I think there is some merit to, to what they're saying. I, I just don't think it's as, it's as cut and dry as, as, as we believe. But um, interesting to watch nonetheless and the timing of the China games coming back on definitely rattled some... Some people. This was this was a hilarious one. The Lakers social media team, bro, and I, I texted this to to you and Strauss, our good friend Ethan Sherwood Strauss. Um, shout out to Kenny Beecham on Twitter at I think it's at kot four q. So he found someone alerted him that the Lakers, bro, this season. You know when when a team loses a game on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all NBA teams, you lose a game or win a game, there'll be that final post post game. It'll be Lakers hundred, Warriors one twenty, and there'll be a photo. Right, normal. No one thinks anything of it. LeBron James has not been used in a losing graphic once this season, pro. So that the, there were some theories that maybe he has in his contract that he, you know, doesn't want to be, you know. In, kind of his photo used in anything to do with a loss, blah, 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 blah. So this guy, you know, this guy went back to to, to looking at um, all the posts from the last year and noticed there's zero with LeBron James. And actually there's zero with uh, Russ and AD as well. So they're three-star players that are not, not allowed to be used in losing posts on social media pro. Poor old Malik Monk is the leader with uh, his photo posted on losses. <laughs> and on the flip side, the guy then decided to, let me look up how many, what, what's used in the winning in the winning posts. And, you know, of course, LeBron, clear leader with Russ being second. Um, so shout out to that. Just something weird, something unique, but uh, something that's definitely interesting, bro. Is it more do you think that LeBron's telling him, look, I don't want, it, I don't want anything to do with it, or... Do you think it's the like the PR department sort of tiptoeing around him and, and being like, you know what, let's not get him fucking, you know, let's not get it, you know, we don't want to get a call from his people or whatever. Like, let's just like, like let's just throw the sacrificial lamb to, you know, to <laughs> yeah. Malik Monk. Like, I don't know, because <laughs> yeah. it could be either one. I don't. To be honest, like, you know, I don't think it's I, him saying it. I think it's yeah. the latter. I think it's your your point. I think it's like they just don't want to deal with the bullshit that it's like, but it's so blatantly obvious. Like zero zero times. That's your friend. That's your. He's one of the best players of all time. You know, you use his face for everything else. Zero times on a loss is pretty obvious. What's going on? But do, do you like? In my opinion, do you really think he gives a fuck? Do you think he's like looking it up? Like 
If I'm no. now, if it is the PR guy, a little bit afraid of him or his people. Like, and, and look, if you used it every time in like unflattering pictures of you know, and, and then like in every loss, yeah, he, you know, somebody might say, "Hey, what are you doing?" But like, if you th- if you're using it every well, they've lost most of their games, so it could be yeah, exactly. Week, but like. <laughs> Well, like you think, like he cares. Like every three or four losses, you throw him in there, like you know, getting you know, getting beat, or even you know, what have you. I don't think he would really care. I don't think he would even pay attention to it. But just goes to show you sometimes. Now I don't know. It could be. It could be other reasons. Who knows? I'm not saying the PR department is afraid of him, but like if it is that, it's pretty you know moronic to to sort of deal with it that way. But it's just just a funny one. NBA. Yeah, just a funny one. But I mean, you know, th- that's not a coincidence. Not 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 zero, not zero times. That's not a coincidence no. to me. Um, so, 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 it's it's obviously from somebody somewhere. Um, I don't think it's from LeBron directly, where he's sitting on his phone after the game. Hey man, don't put me on the losing photos. But you know, you never know these days. These people, maybe the Lakers will just you know. But hey, um, shout out to that guy that had four hours of fucking free time to do that. I wish I, I had four hours of fucking free time. I know. Good on him. Yeah. <laughs> good on him. No. And by the way, LeBron. Um, it's clear as day he's going for the scoring title pro. Uh, he he told us last week his ankle was so bad he doesn't even know how he played. Well, he has to, as of last game, he had to play three of the next six and now two of the next five just to be eligible for the sc- scoring champ, um, the, the leader. Um, but yeah, he's, he's I think he can salvage his image for a poor Lakers season with doing this because it'll be spoken about as the oldest player in NBA history to ever do it. His legacy, it'll help. Um, but he's clearly, he's clearly going for the scoring title. I don't think wins and losses matter at this point, bro. I mean, folks, you know, I've been thinking about it, right? Like, for all he's done, like the, the championships, the, the, the points, the obvious, like all the stat, the stat accolades, whatever, like, Hey, look, if he wants to gun for it, let him go. Like Kareem, you know, playing when he with an oxygen mask on at the end of his fucking career. You had like <laughs> Carl Malone, you know, who played way past his prime with the Lake, you know, the Lake. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Yo, know, Ewing and Olajuwon, like those guys just, hey, look, they, this is his, I mean, this is his last draw. You know, this is the last deal. Like, I don't mind, like, I don't really mind it all that much. Like, he'll never admit to it, but yeah, he's going for it. But you know what? Let him go for it. Fuck it. This is his time in history. It, you know, he's trying to be, he's trying to put Jordan's, you know, legacy in the, you know, in the rear view. He's trying to be the best player of all time, which is the dumbest thing ever because no, like, everyone has their, a different opinion about who exactly. they think it and why. Like, if he's chasing it just for him, his family, just to feel good about it, awesome. If he's doing it to chase a ghost in Jordan, well, that's something that's not going to happen because, look, some people are going to think he's the best. Somebody going to be people think that Jordan's the best. Somebody people will think Byron Scott's the best. And and who gives a fuck? Like, that's what they do. And but like, yes, he is definitely chasing it. I don't blame him. Let him chase it. It's the end of his career. Let him do it, whatever. You know, if that's what makes him happy, that's what makes him happy. But one positive for the Lakers, at least, so yeah, get something out of the season. But they're they're horrible to watch. I, I watched watching game yesterday against the, the Pelicans, and a must win for them. And just it honestly looked like like a circus at, at points of that game with the turnovers, and it was just it was ugly to watch. And it just they have no sync whatsoever. It's just no. like the most. Oh, it's just it's it, yeah, that's just the worst 
style of basketball, worst roster that just doesn't fit together. I mean, AD, you know, he looks like he was sucking wind a little bit first game back from injury. I don't think he's going to really help him too much these next couple of games. And, and remember, they have one of the hardest rosters. But you called a pro. Credit where credit's due. You, you called this back in January. Someone alerted us to. You, you said, you know, yes. you can see the I, Lakers falling out of the 10. And I was like, no way. The league will never let that happen. They need the Lakers in there. They, shit, it might, it might happen. I'm the worst playoff predictor in history as far as when the playoffs start. But before the playoffs, I actually know what I'm talking about. Do never take my advice in the playoffs of who's going to win what. But, yeah, like that, I mean, every a clock's, you know, even a broken clock's right twice a day, right? But, um, you know, I just, look, if, if, if Davis didn't get hurt then and LeBron didn't get hurt, they're in, right? They're, they're, they're definitely in. But got a little lucky on it. It's just they're so bad. Like, folks, like, do you think, and it's impossible because of NBA you know, egos and things. Do you think that there was a chance if you like they came together and say December and say, "Look, we got to change." Like if they changed the way they played, style wise, or you know, some people had to get off the ball a little bit more, more ball movement. Was there a chance? And maybe if they didn't have the injuries, is there a chance that this team could have been a six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed? Or, or do you think it's just even if they tried to play the right way, they couldn't do it? Well, I, I think them, their big issue, like offense is one thing. Their offense doesn't look great. But defensively, they've just got a bunch of veterans that aren't going to grit and grind defensively. And you need you need two or three guys on the floor at all times that are locked in defensively um, to be okay. But generally, championship caliber teams have everyone locked in. They've got zero most times. Like literally, you watch them defensively. No one's on a string. No one helps the helper. Just watch Russ box guys out. It's hilarious. Like he, he literally just turns his head and looks at the basket. Like he, the amount of guards that run straight by his shoulder and get offensive rebounds when when they play rebounding guards, you know. And I'm, just, I'm not just blaming Russ. It's all it's all of them. LeBron does the same thing. You know, they defensively they are horrible. Um, offense is one thing. Yes, Russ is shooting horribly. LeBron's leading him scoring wise. AD's shooting career low from three. But look at him defensively, pro. And, and you look at. Who else are you bringing on? You got Dwight Howard, you got Carmelo Anthony, you got you know a lot of older guys. That who's that guy that's going to name, name me three guys on that roster that are going to loose get on a loose ball? What Stanley Johnson maybe and and Gabriel? That's it. Um, and that's that's the big part of them. So yes, I, I believe you. You're right if they bought in, but I think for them it was like we need guys that are going to grit and grind. They, you, they just don't have those guys. None of the, all those guys have generally been the man on their team or top three on their team at some point in their career where they never, but probably bar Trevor Ariza, where they never really had to be a grit and grind guy. So you can't just turn that on when you're 34 years old. And I think that's what's cost them. I think the offense is one thing, but they, they, they their defense is just horrible, like absolutely horrible. And you see it a lot like LeBron will come down or someone will come down and miss a shot. They don't run back on defense. They think they got fouled and it just continuously happening like – at least get back on defense. Like that's probably the first step of playing defense is being five on five, right, bro? So it's just it's painful to watch. I, I hate. I don't like watching them. Um, watch that game yesterday just because it was an, it was an important game for, for playoff seating. I watched about uh, probably the, the last two and a, uh, last one and a half quarters, and they should have won that game comfortably. New Orleans gave them every chance. New Orleans didn't play well, and, and, they, and they lost it. So it will be interesting to see if you're right. If they if they don't make it, they're, they're currently half a game out with the toughest schedule remaining in the league. So 
unlucky if they don't make it. All right, um, two more things and we'll get to the NBL. Hoops hype polled 52 current and former NBA players. And now that's, you know, can go either way. Who knows who they polled? But um, regarding who is the most influential player of all time, Michael Jordan won in a landslide. So some some players prioritize long-term production and impact on the court. Some factored in influence off the court, brand, style, music, being an executive, business interests. But um, MJ was was beyond the landslide pro. Are you, are you surprised at that? I'm not surprised at it. I mean, just because of the demeanor of Michael, what he did in his career, what he did post-career, what he made and, and what he means to the game. And like... I think that he's so influential because he doesn't have to talk a lot. He doesn't have to say too much. You know, he, when he speaks, they're powerful words and he doesn't try to speak like most, you know, most players that like talk too much. They try to like use words. They have no idea what they mean. And and, and they sort of like, they paint themselves in a corner a lot. Michael was very straightforward. He was very simple with what he had to say, but they meant a lot of things. He didn't get, you know, he didn't get too caught up in politics or things like that. He, he spoke when he felt as though he needed to and the way he, he, he went about his business and his winning and everything that he did, he did it first class. And yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be, it would have been interesting, Bogues, what would have happened in his career if there was like, if he had Twitter and those things, you know, like he, he didn't have well, to. He would have had to stay off it with his habits off the floor pro that we all know about. He would have, he would have had to stay off it. Like influential, how Vogue? So, like, what what was the poll? Like, just it, like powerful. Well, just let just they could players could skew it however they the voters could skew it however they wanted to. They could prioritize straight impact on court and basketball, or, or they could prioritize influence or both. Right, but I think influence. I think LeBron's trying to get to that level of of influence, but he never will, just because of the Jordan brand shoes alone. No one's going to catch that basketball wise ever, in my opinion. He's he's, he's he, that's he's an icon forever. That lo- that Jumpman logo, that's that's synonymous with basketball, right? Um, LeBron, yeah, I, I think his his impact on the court, you could probably argue now, is greater than Michael's as far as numbers and stats. And like we just said, he's going to lead the league in scoring at you know the, the oldest player ever. Um, he's gonna. He's chasing Kareem, obviously. So I think he's record wise. He's probably gonna beat MJ um, as far as numbers, straight stats. Um, when you look at points, re- assists, rebounds, I think LeBron's numbers are, are much better than MJ's. MJ obviously more rings, but I think when you sum it all up together, I think MJ deserves to win in a landslide just because of that that brand and that icon um, that he built. Like it's it's just um, you know it's sentimental to me because it was my childhood. Um, you know, growing up in the '90s, MJ was was basketball. Basketball was MJ, um, and then it was everyone else. Whereas, you know, it's a little bit different with LeBron off the court. I don't, I don't think he's his brand off the court. To me, it's big. Don't get me wrong; like he's making hundreds of millions off the court, but I don't think it's it's the influential brand that that MJ is and was still today. Like the guy's been retired what twenty odd years now, and his Jordan brand is. It's, it's the goat of basketball, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it's not even close with that stuff. With the you know, career's close, the off the court, the influence as far as, like I said, the simplicity of what Michael did, you know, and how he just sort of, you know, he, he respected the history of the game. Um, he was very well read, rel- very well thought out when he, when he was going to say something. 
the one thing that LeBron, I think, is the number one athlete of all time. I don't think anyone has more power in the game using that with, you know, Rich Paul's agency, you know, forcing moves like MJ never had that power. Kobe never had that power. No one even like magic, maybe a close second, but no one had the power that this guy has to, to influence and shape an organization. And I'm not necessarily saying that in a good way, bad way, or, or anything like that, but MJ never did that. Like, you know, and again, I think because of the social media, the lack of, he, he did have power, but he didn't have it like that, where he wasn't forcing people on and off like places. He wasn't getting people fired. He wasn't getting coaches fired, things like that, where LeBron could, you know, and he has that power, like that influence of, you know, signing free agents and making trades from an organization. You know, that's one thing that I never really read or heard about MJ doing. Now, that's only part of inf- overall influence, right? I think the basketball, they're close. I think that I think as far as the power game, LeBron's done it. But everything else, MJ in a landslide. And I agree with you. He is basketball and he built the NBA. You know, he took it from Magic and, 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 and Larry and, you know, he ran with it. And I think, it, you know. No game sevens. I mean, six championships. I mean, the guys, it just speaks for itself. And just the professionalism that that guy is definitely the best of all time. And all whilst doing it on roughly two to three hours sleep a night, which is even more impressive in my opinion, pro. You know, playing poker or (laughs) while smoking a cigar. (laughs) Yep. Amazing. All right, finally, Brittany Griner, pro, could face five years in a Russian labor camp. Not jail time, pro. A Russian labor camp. That's a big ouchie. This is coming from a person who, remember, pro, wouldn't stand for the U.S. national anthem and is pretty anti-American with her sentiment. I think a valuable lesson might be learned here, pro. Yeah, it's an ugly deal, man. It's an ugly deal. Like, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what really happened. Did she have something she, that they just want to fuck with her? Yeah, we don't know. But it is pretty uh, – it's a pretty – I don't know. It's a bad deal when, when an American citizen, whatever, is over there and – but it goes to show you when you're at another country, you just sort of name, rank, and serial number, and you just keep going. You don't even do anything worth chancing. And yeah, that stuff comes back and bites you a little bit with the whole not standing for national anthem and, and doing the other stuff that she may have done. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate either way, man. I, you know, I have a bunch of my boys who joke about it and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, you could say what you want about her. I just, I, I don't feel it right sucks. about it happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel right about that. And, you know, you know how they are over there. They could just do whatever they want. So it's a very delicate situation. And I don't know her at all. I haven't heard anything good, bad, or indifferent. But you never want to see anybody go through that. That's a, that's a tough one, man. Yeah, hopefully. That can all get sorted out. Uh, we don't know the details of it, obviously. But as was always said from the start, you fly to another country, you better, you better read those rules five or six times before you get there. So, um yeah, maybe she'll build some some new roads and buildings out there, <laughs> which is sheesh. Hard, hard, hard labor, just the wording. And hard, not even labor camp, pro. Hard labor. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's not good, man. <laughs> yeah, the hard, the hard really puts an oomph in the in the labor. All right, let's get to the NBL real quick. Shout out to my guy Chase Buford, head coach of the Sydney Kings. A nice little clap back for a Perth Wildcats fan, pro. Now you might not like this one too much, but um, we're going to go with it anyway. Perth are notorious for having, you know, some uh, some cringeworthy 
heckler type fans. There's one notorious fan there that will buy a seat right near your bench and heckle someone all game. Uh, I was I was that guy when I played there, uh, which was great. Um, but he Chase Buford was asked in the post game press conference about the, the the guy in the red suit, I believe, um, heckling him all game. I don't know what he was saying about his slick back, about his suit, whatever. He just simply said the big boy in the red suit needs to jump on a treadmill. He could stand and lose a few pounds. Is that fair game, pro? That's fair game. That's fair game. Mm, I think I think it is. And people people can sometimes say, oh, you shouldn't fat shame, you shouldn't this. But if you're going to go at someone, uh, whether it's a coach or a player, and you're going to heckle them all game, expect return fire. I like that I'm, I'm a fan of return and fire. And if you're going to, like I said, if you're going to go at people on social media, if you're going to, I get this on, all the time on social media, I go back at people that go at me and Boga, you should take the higher road. You know, you're bigger than that. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm an average person like anyone else. If you're going to talk shit to me, and a lot of times it's tongue in cheek, I'll talk shit back. And I think it's, I think it was just a funny one, pro, that I that, that I noted uh, for our guy Chase Buford to have a little a little quip back at a fan that was into him for forty straight minutes. I like it. I like it. And as a, a fellow fat person, I could speak about it because he is one of my people. So <laughs> I, I think that uh, I, I I condone it as for for president, um, actually secretary of the fa- of the fat community. I will say that I, I second it. I, I think you're open to, like, look, you want to open up that can of worms, you should be able to get called back. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I applaud that. I, I sanction that move, okay? Uh, there will no be, there shouldn't be any retaliation. I, I do like it, and we can move on from it. We can. I like it. Speaking of Perth Pro, interesting import situation going on, Pro. So oh, there's, a rule in the, there's a rule in the NBL where an eligible player – in the NBL to play in the finals, if your team qualifies, you need to play seven NBL games. Now, they could be in whatever order. They could be the first seven, the last seven. You need to play. And this 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 basically was 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 put in place to stop teams loading up when they thought, oh, we're making a finals run. Let's just load up our team with three games left. So the Perth Wildcats, uh, is it Michael Frazier, I think, the third, um, having, a, yeah, having, having a stinker of a year uh, with the Perth Wildcats. And just not playing well. He, I guess he's still with the team. This is what's interesting. There was rumors flying that they're going to sign John Brown, who's playing in Russia at the moment. So Michael Frazier would be the odd man out because he's their third import. He'd get cut. Issue being uh, John Brown is in Australia. He was caught in the airport. with He was flying in when they still had seven games left. Got into the country training with the team, hasn't got a release from his Russian team yet. He's still contracted to his Russian team. They haven't permitted his release. Now the issue is the Perth Wildcats have him still training with them. They still have Michael Frazier there, which has got to be awkward because you've got your other import that you're like, hey, man, like we love you, train with us, but we're probably going to cut you if this guy can play. It, they now have six games left pro, but there are rumblings that um, there is a rule that extraordinary circumstances they can waive that seven games the Perth Wildcats much like our friends at the in Adelaide that uh, love to use the excuse in Russia are blaming Russia it's Russia's fault um, I have an issue with this because you got to do your work early we, we went through the same thing with um, RJ Hunter and we knew shit we're gonna get out we're gonna get a, an import in here soon 
There's not only getting the import here, there's getting the visas, there's all the COVID shit in Australia. Sometimes they flick a switch and it could take you an extra two weeks of quarantine. We knew that seven games was getting close. So we we jumped on, you know, on our motorbike and we're like, get this done, get him here with 10 games in case there's an injury, conditioning issues. If this if this uh, exemption happens, it's going to cause some issues. I think uh, I don't. Uh, the, the Russian stuff aside, you know they they pulled it close anyway. They they got him here with only a few games left, close to that deadline, pro. And um, I know there's a lot of teams out there that will not be too happy if this passes. But the Perth Wildcats are having a crack, and it's going to be interesting to see what the league does, pro. What, what are your thoughts on it? Hey, Bogues, what what do they say that the the circumstances can be for signing the guy and not playing the seven games? They, doesn't it, it, it doesn't say so. It says something like extraordinary circumstances or something like that, and and there's people saying, "Well, the Russia war is extraordinary circumstances." Oh, well, yeah. it's it somewhat is, but you still need to be organised enough to you know at least you know not cutting it so close, right? Just to, to seven games, and and most other teams might have had opportunities for for guys that are playing in Russia, and then just. To, you know, just just cross them out and said, "Look, too hard basket. It might not work because because of, of the deadlines." Um, so that that's more my point. Yeah, I, I, it's tough, you know, because it, it doesn't look good, right? It, it looks like you're trying to play the rule. Now, it should be a black and white rule. If you if you don't play the seven games, you don't play the seven games. If they do this circumstance rule, I think it, sh- in my opinion, should be voted on by every organization in the league and allow it to go, uh, you know, to the board and to the league, or maybe the league office could do it. But I would rather just all the teams get to vote on it, which probably not going to pass if that happens. But you know what? That's one of those things where, like, look, if you if you get it in on time and you want to play the rule, great, play the play it with the rule. But if you don't get it in on time, then you need to be, you know, served up on a platter with that and let the, you know, either either not get it or let the teams vote on it. Because, you know, what's your extra what's your circumstance? Come on, the Russian war, like that's more like that guy getting out of his contract that they should that they should allow him to get out of his contract, but not for an Australian team you know, signing a guy or not signing a guy because of the Russian war, they should assign somebody else. If you're a GM, do your fucking job. You should have second, third, fourth, fifth options to make sure that that somebody's going to play seven games and are available for playoffs. So I don't know. Unless that, unless Scott Roth is that GM, I would never say that to Scott Roth. But any other GM, yeah, I would definitely say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just interesting because I guess the Russian team's like, you're still contracted to us, dude. We're not. Yeah. We, we want to buy out. We want X, Y, Z. So, no doubt. If, this, if, if there wasn't the whole Russia-Ukraine conflict, this would not even be thought about. You'd be like, hey, like it's a clear rule. You need to pay the buyout, or you're still contracted. And I mean, my understanding was I don't even know how he's training with another team while still on contract. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the other interesting one. I don't know what the FIBA rules are there. I thought that was not not allowed, but I could be wrong. But surely, it'd be, it's a strange deal if you're contracted somewhere else and training, even training with another team because you got competitive advantage. Um, you know. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, the Don like when Doncic came to got drafted by Dallas, uh, he couldn't play in summer league. Couldn't play because his FIBA paperwork didn't get done yet. You know, from from Real Madrid, he'd work out with me and you know shoot you know shoot on the side and get workouts in, but he wasn't able to do that. So maybe you're a, a allowed to like work out and not practice. I don't know what he was doing or not doing. This guy, but uh, yeah, it is weird. Like. To be to me, I would never allow him on another property, and I would find the fuck out of the other team if they allowed they, they he did that, and they took they or I would find the player and the team to be honest, you know, because contracts contracts like look we all you know, but if you sign a deal and that's the stipulation of the deal that you can't be with another team while you're contracted with another team before the buyout, um, 
yeah, that I'm I'm more like to the letter of the law on that, but hey, fucking shit show, man. Who knows? It is. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, um, and that'll be a big, you know. If they can get him into the lineup, they're really struggling at the five spot, so that'll really help them. But um, I don't think I don't think it should happen. And obviously, I'm I'm biased because I'm an owner of the Sydney Kings, and we could potentially face them in the playoffs. So follow the rules, Perth Wildcats. <laughs> uh, the Sydney Kings nine game win streak pro still continuing on. We're playing your Jack Jumpers today. Uh, right when I finish this podcast in about two hours. They will uh, battle down there in Tassie. The, once again, the Jack Jump is doing really, really well, battling, grinding out wins, loving the way they're playing. But uh, hopefully we can knock your guys out, bro. I'll tell you what. Um, I think your guys should be smart enough if they do beat them. Nobody do the yelling of the crowd because I'll tell you what. <laughs> Scott Roth might like, rip his clothes off and he had one of those wrestling onesies and he put somebody in a figure four leg lock like Greg the Hammer Valentine did in the 80s. <laughs> So I would fucking watch out and pull on that bullshit. Hey, if you win, just fucking shake hands. Just walk off and, a <laughs> No, no, no. Sprint off that motherfucker because you never know. Because you got to, sh- as the other dude, as uh, Cleveland found out a couple of weeks ago, he had to share that fucking runway with Scott Roth. and that. Oh, it's the same yeah. tunnel. Yeah, same tunnel. One of those genius arenas that decided to build one tunnel out with professional athletes that just battled for 40 minutes walking out of the same tunnel. What could go wrong, pro? Ah, um, yeah. Just finally, I copped some shit a couple of weeks ago, pro. When I, I did our top, I did our top four, and it was tough. You know, it was Perth, Illawarra, Melbourne, Sydney, and Southeast Melbourne, and we all know five does not fit into a top four. So I had to make a, a prediction back then. While Southeast Melbourne were in the top four, I predicted that they would fall out. I just didn't like what I was seeing from them. I didn't think they were playing as well as they they were last season. Some injuries, janky lineups, just didn't like it. So I, I made that statement on our pod, on the podcast about a month ago. I had some people reach out to some people with the Kings saying, what's Boga doing? Why is he, why did he, you know, that's so silly. Southeast Melbourne will make it. Like NBL cronies that love Southeast Melbourne um, were saying that, you know, I'm an idiot, blah, 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 blah. Well, they've fallen out, pro. Uh, still, still a little bit of, of of games left, but they lost to a you know a Cairns team who's not going to make the playoffs. A bad loss last night, a must win for them. Uh, they lost to them. They are now fallen to sixth below the, the the Jack Jumpers. I don't think they're going to make it. So just just something noteworthy for people out there. I got one right. Unfortunately, I know everyone hates to hear that, but I got one right, and I think I think the top four for mine looks like it's pretty much set. Unless something drastic happens, and it's gonna be constant moving that top four now. You got Melbourne first, still. Um, Illawarra's moved up to second. Sydney third. Perth fourth. But every every one of those top four now can finish first, and vice versa. Any a first place team today could finish fourth. So that's exciting. But unfortunately, for the rest of the teams in the league, unlikely that we'll see anyone else jump into that top four, bro. Mm. Hey, look, anything with rankings of players and teams and this and that candy bars someone's gonna have a fucking attitude about it so i hate rankings man i i because it just you can't win doing them you know because it doesn't matter that's what you think someone asks you your opinion you give your opinion but what are you gonna do but that's how people are they like they hear rankings and automatically they just like they want to get at people's throats for it hey look that's what you thought that's what you thought you know? Yeah, get on with it being an adult. We're not kids. Yeah. But just the fact that they reached out to someone with the Kings and were having a cry on their shoulder was just, I, I 
as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Yeah, and then it happened. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So anyway, we'll uh, watch that space in the NBL, but it's heating up. So it's always good to see. Let's get to our useful or useless. This one could be a fact or fake news, but what I put in the useful or useless, Pro, I'd love to get your, your thoughts if you think it is useful or useless. This is sent in from Paul Andrews via Twitter. We appreciate this one. In 2016, the Golden State Warriors were 39 and 4 with Lucas coach. In 2017, they were 12 and 0 in the playoffs with Mike Brown as coach. Steve Kerr is just an average coach who happened to be in a great situation. Basically alluding to whenever the assistants took over when Steve Kerr was was out or sick or whatever, the record was was just as good if not better. Useful or useless, bro. I think everybody's sort of a, a, a sort of an average coach that's just sort of a victim of their talent. You know, look, it's not true. Steve Kerr's a hell of a coach. But everybody is as victim to their talent. Like, if you got great players, you're going to have a great record. I don't care if you have the, the, you know, the equipment guy coach the team. You're going to win games with a team like that. But it's still hard. You still got to do things. But, like, if you got a terrible team, you're not going to do well. I don't care how good of a coach you are. So it's hard to say, man. Like, every coach in the league has gotten their brains beat in you know, when they didn't have a good team. And everybody that had, not everybody, but a lot of team people who had great players, they had great records. I don't know, man. Like, look, if, if, if Steve Kerr coached, I don't know, if Steve Kerr coached the, mm, what, the Orlando Magic, what, they're going to be in the top five? No, fuck no. You know, like, it, it depends on your situation. You know, yes, he's had the, luxury of only coaching really good teams until the last couple of years when he had some injury issues. But I don't know, man. I, I'd say, I'd say it's fake news. The guy's a good coach. He is a good coach. Yeah, it's fake news. I think it's, it's a useful stat to discuss numbers, but people need to remember that when Luke Walton was coaching, when Mike Brown was coaching, it's still Steve Kerr's foundation that was set. Right, so it's still his training camp, his philosophy, his offensive flow, his defense. Like it's not like Luke Walton came in and said, "All right, we went we went thirty nine and four, and I completely changed everything Steve was doing." No, maybe there were some small tweaks with with feel and rotations and substitution patterns, and same with with Mike Brown. But you have to remember, Steve Kerr laid the foundation of everything that we see when those assistants take over. It's not as simple as that. But one thing I will say, and I agree with you, remember Steve Kerr had a chance to take the Knicks job. Would he still be a head coach? Today no. in the NBA, exactly. No. So there is there is some merit, uh, Paul Paul Andrews that sent this in. There is some merit in what you're saying. He, he's in a fantastic. He fell on his feet with his coaching job, um, but he also took that team from a max second round team to a championship in his first year. So some credits due there. He changed a lot with the way guys played. Remember, Draymond Green wasn't starting for uh, for Mark Jackson. He changed that lineup. Brought Daly off the bench. Um, then put Andre back onto the bench. So he made some changes, um, made an emphasis on less turnovers, looking after the ball more. Steph wins two MVPs. So you got to give credit to Steve Kerr for that. Um, but I think, yeah, situation plays its part. I think if Steve takes that Knicks job six, seven years ago, he probably would have you know, been looking right now to get back into the league as a coach again because he would have, would have been gone within three or four years because that roster was just, it's just a dumpster, it was a dumpster fire of a roster of management of, of an organization and Steve would have got somewhat of the blame for it and been out of, out of, out of a coaching job for a while. That's just the reality of, of the NBA. So I think a bit harsh there if you, um, if you think he's, he's just an average coach. I think he's a no. good coach. Yeah. But, but yeah, talent, talent wins games. You know, there's, there's been great coaches that have 
poor rosters that can't do shit with them and vice versa. There's been, you know, horrible, not average coaches that, that win championships because they have a stacked roster. So I think it goes both ways. But um, all right, next one, league leader in plus minus this season pro. Who do you think that would be? Mm. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, uh, we'll go with... Eastern Conference team. Eastern Conference, Giannis. Yeah, good guess. It's your guy, Jason Tatum. Oh, nice. 594 is his plus minus, which is uh, very, very impressive. Um, their run the last three, four months, three months or two months now has been fantastic. But um, that was one that I definitely would not have guessed in a million years because we've, we've been hard on him at times that he coasts and doesn't play both sides of the ball. But uh, having a fantastic year and uh, second half of the year at least and proof is in the pudding when he's on the court they uh they always win the point battle so that's useful in my opinion bro well i mean i've been as harsh as you can be on the celtics early in the year and for good reason and that guy was a big reason for it and he's stepped his play up probably the last half of the year since you know since probably the trade deadline he's played great that is an unbelievable stat that i would never believe if you if you would have told me so that's a very interesting very interesting sort of stat right there. Uh, stat Muse, by the way? That one was Stat Muse, yep. I, and, and the good, I actually went and looked it up because the I had that on our run sheet for last week and then obviously that plus minus would have changed since last week. So I jumped on statmuse.com and just typed it in and it popped straight up. I just typed in plus minus lead this season, bang, straight away. Pretty awesome website for like you can type in the most obscure stats. Yep. Like the next one is Stat Muse as well, which you'll love. Um, and I did the same thing. I typed this in and it showed up for me straight away. So Jalen Brunson, pro, mm-hmm. with no Luka Doncic this season, in games with no Luka Doncic, 20.4 points a game, 7.5 assists per game, 49, 35, 80 are you shooting clips, pro. Useful or useless? Useful. Useful. Mm. I, I think it, it shows his development, um, you know, over the, the last few years, being able to play and, and, and sort of grind things out and – now could you know play without Luca? Can play with Luca on the floor is a huge part of their team, and they're going to have to ante up twenty million bucks a year to to keep the kid. And I think he's done great. Um, he's you know he, he's worked his way into a player that I thought would be a Derek Fisher plus, you know, someone who's like a Derek Fisher better, you know, a better Derek because he could score a little bit better to somebody who's going to get twenty million a year. It could probably be somebody's you know second or third best player on their roster, and. Um, is a big reason why they could probably make a big run in the playoffs. I'd say definitely useful. What do you think? Yeah, useful. He's he's about to get a bag. Um, I wonder if they, you know, what they're going to do because he's going to he's going to demand. You know, he's he's close to that max, right? Pro. They're going to have to pay it. They're going to have to pay it both. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't replace them. I mean, like now, if they're going to get, if they're going to get Rudy, you know, if they're going to get Rudy in a sign and trade, and I don't even know if they can do that or not. I got to check, but like. You know, if they could get Rudy and sign and trade for him, that's one thing. But if they're not going to make any moves, if they're just going to lose him in free agency, which they won't, they're too sharp to do that. Like that's a huge loss for them because with if you take him off their roster, they got no chance. They got no chance. I mean, Luca mm-hmm. is the guy, no doubt about it. But with like, like you know how I love those role players that like, got uh, Powell and Finney Smith and Kleber and that. But like they don't have that second source of offense. Jim Witte does it a little bit, but Brunson has been the guy who's carried it all year to help Luca 
be that second person to go to consistently and give him that 17, 18, 19 points a game at times. You know, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a useful stat. Useful, for sure, getting the bag. Uh, most points per game off the bench this season, Pro? Would you happen to know who that is? Player, I would guess, um, I don't know, well, it's probably, I don't know, Jordan Clarkson, I'm going to guess. Yeah, he's second. Tyler Hero. Tyler 20, Hero. 20.8 20. points a night. Next closest is Clarkson at 16.0. So he's locked in the sixth man of the year. There's no doubt about that. Won't even be close. We should just give it to him right now. But uh, he's having a hell of a year off the bench, bro. It's a useful stat in my opinion. Folks, I remember um, I worked with that kid at the Nike Nike camp when he was in high school. He, he, now he, he committed to Wisconsin and then he decommitted and went to Kentucky. Well, they had us break, like the NBA guys that were working camp had him breaking down film. I'm like, look, man, like I see what you do on the floor, but like I think you need to be more like J.J. Reddick. You know, you're doing all this stuff off the dribble. This is why I'm fucking unemployed. This is why I'm unemployed. <laughs> like I'm the, I'm the anti-progressive coach. Like I'm not the guy that's telling you, you should win MVP. I'm the guy that's telling you you got to be really good in the corner, straight line drive it, pulling up out of the corner. That's why I'm unemployed. That guy has done an unbelievable job. He works with Drew Hanlon in the summertime. They've done an excellent job together, you know, doing with the isolation game. But he's played great. He was very good as a rookie in the playoffs, in the bubble. He's done really well. This year he's been great. I took Bogdanovich in fantasy over him. I fucked up. But uh, he's, you know, I think it was like in the fourth or fifth round. And he, uh, I mean, he's played, he's been consistently very good for them all year. Yeah, yeah, it's real solid, and just yeah, they're they're when they're healthy, they got a pretty loaded, loaded lineup to have that guy coming off the bench and doing what he's doing, and I think it's it's genius by 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 the Miami Heat and Spalestra because I think just having him not be too accountable defensively, um, not a great defender, and just have him come off the bench and gun a la the Ben Gordon role with Chicago, I think. Every, every good team that goes deep needs a guy like that, especially in the playoffs. So I, I like it. All right, next one, you like this is being, being a you know, development coach's hat on. The Giannis mid-range pro. Since his rookie year, his rookie year shot at the mid-range at 18.2%. 15-16 shot it at 33.8. 16 17-33.5. 17-18, uh, 33.7. So pretty close. 18-19, 34.5. 19-20, 38.8. 2021 went down a little bit to 35.7. This season, 41.8% from the mid-range pro. That's better than Luca, Tatum, Clay, Hero, AD, Cat. You name him, he's better than him. Um, amazing progression considering he shot it at 18.2 his rookie year. And I think he's... The way he's worked at his game, um, he's got that little fadeaway now, which just opens up the floor for him so much with everything he's doing. I mean, his improvement has been fun to watch, pro. Useful or useless? Very useful. Uh, Bogues, I think, I think that the guy's the hardest working player in the league. It's not even close. Like, not even close. Oh, hardest working superstar in the league, without a, without a doubt. Um, they, you know, I was very critical of him last year, you know, about not having that in his game. and. They did something very smart. When he was a rookie, um, he had a guy named Josh Oppenheimer that was around um, around the team. He, he's a development coach. I, I met him when I was in Chicago. Oh, he was a long-time college coach, you know, started working out players um, for Mark Bartlestein and some other agents and stuff. And he's a really good shooting coach. And they fired him or they demoted him 
when when he just got one when the new coaching staff I don't know if it was Jason Kidd or who the the coach was but they demoted him and they ended up you know he ended up leaving you know he went to the minor leagues did some other work and then they hired him back him and Giannis had a strong relationship and he's a very good shooting coach and those guys put in hours and hours and hours of work going to Greece and you know just spending the time doing it and that's the thing that you and I talked about a lot about him he was just missing that he was just using his athleticism and size and you know, it's just talent to just out talent people. And he couldn't shoot, couldn't make free throws. And now they get him to a point where he's very good in the mid range. I mean, he's not just somebody who's going to brick every three that he takes. I think he's got a consistent release and, you know, whoever changes shot his first after his first year was, you know, we talked about it all the time. It, it was just, you know, it took years off of his career early on because of the fact that he couldn't make threes. And now he's making threes, he's making free throws more consistently in the mid-range stats show. I mean, it's just, it's tremendous. But Josh Oppenheimer should get a lot of a lot of credit for that. And, um, yeah, I think it's a very useful stat. Yeah, useful. Um, great, great progression. Love to see it. Just continues to get better and better. And they've got a chance for a chip again. So we'll, we'll see where that all goes. Fact or fake news, what do you got after a layoff? Oof. Oops. All right. So I was watching – I forgot the game I was watching, but Richard Jefferson – I think it was maybe Golden State, Phoenix, maybe. And Richard Jefferson went on and on about, you know, for decent reason, I guess, on and on about how Booker was getting disrespected about like MVP talk, top five, first team, not getting any talk with that. And he deserves to be on the first team. So my first question, Devin Booker is a first team a first team all NBA. And the second part of the question is he, sh- he is in the conversation for MVP. Back to fake news. Oh, well, the MVP thing on fake news, he, he's up there, um, but he's, you know, it's Giannis, Jokic, and MB's race, period. Mm-hmm. Um, DeRozan's mm-hmm. fallen out. Um, I think it's still Jokic, in my opinion. Um, but I think either of those, I would even go as far to say I'd probably put Embiid in three now. Um, it's out of Giannis and Jokic to me. But yeah, I think Booker's having a hell of a year and playing well. Is he first team who falls out? I think maybe he is. I think he probably does get into your first team all NBA, maybe, just. But I don't think he's in the MVP race. I don't think he's top three. I think those three guys that I've mentioned have phenomenal years. Their numbers are outrageous. Jokic's numbers are outrageous, right? Um, so I think I don't think he's being disrespected. I think he's still, a, you know, he's still a top ten player in the NBA. Um, I think next season potentially could be his jump to an MVP caliber year. But the problem is they have Chris Paul as well, and, and his usage is just as high, if not higher, than Devin Booker's. So unless they get rid of Chris Paul, I don't, I don't think he'll have the amount of usage and touches to to warrant, you know, MVP type numbers. Unfortunately, so that I think hurts him in a way. But um, I don't think he's disrespected. I think he's a first team, second team All NBA player. I don't agree. I think fact, fake news that he's he should be in the MVP race, pro. Yeah, I think fake news on both accounts. Um, look, Booker's one of my favorite players in the league. He's very good. What is it with NBA players like all this disrespect? Not really disrespect. My first question, Bogues, when someone says, "Well, he deserves to be," I don't know, top five of all time or top five this or top five that. My first question is, who are you going to take off? Okay, that's great. He, he, he's put up great numbers this year, all right? He's put up great numbers, and those guys are rolling. 
He's putting up 27, five and five, right? Okay. That's great. But who are you going to take off? Because like, you know, so you're just expecting someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, who are you going to take off? Like, okay. So you got Durant, you got, I'm just throwing names out there. You got Jokic, you've got Luca, you've got Giannis, you got Embiid. All right. So you Tatum's got, Durant, got better numbers than him. Tatum's at Tatum's 27 and better numbers. Tatum's at 27, eight and th- 27, eight and three right now. And just so people can get Devin Booker's numbers, Devin Booker is at 26, five and five. So yeah. And Steph, you know, obviously Steph and LeBron are out of the conversation this year. They're, they're they've had off years, you know, but like, so now, so you've got, we've got Durant, you got Dantich, we've got Giannis, we've got Jokic, we got Embiid, right? Now the next level of players, right? You've got Tatum. Now Booker's in that, but you've got Tatum. You've got John Morant, who's been fucking killing it. And those mm-hmm. are probably the only two players that I would put in that in that category. So those three guys are battling out for like the top six. Harden might eight. be in there. Harden sort of in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like he's in there. Donovan Mitchell is not. Trey Young's played no. well, but he's not. No. Bradley no. Bale's not. Yeah. So like Agreed. those are those are the only guys that are in there. So those five, it's really hard to say that like he's better yeah, than Yeah, who are you taking out? Exactly to your point, though. Who are you taking out of that five? Exactly. So <laughs> you know. I say fake news, but look, it's not like we're saying that he's like DeJounte nah. Murray here. We're not saying that he's a you know a good player, but not a great player. We're saying that he's a great player, but you're not taking anybody off that top five. But I love the whole. I love RJ to death, but like it's all every NBA player. He's getting disrespected. What the fuck is disrespect? The guy's a second, maybe a second team All NBA player. That's not disrespect. Yes, you're a great team and arguably the best team in the league. But like, you know, it's hard to be a top five NBA player. I don't care how good your team is, you know. And, you know, like you said, you got Chris Paul and, and him sharing it. And it's hard, man. But like, it's, it's really tough to climb that mountain to get to that top five. And at some point, maybe he will be. But all those guys are pretty young. You know, I don't see them. I don't see Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Luka, Durant going anywhere for at least the next three years. So he's got to keep on banging his head against the wall and still compete with John Morant and Jason Tatum for that next level. And then you don't know what's going to happen with Dame Lillard next year. I don't know if Harden's going to stay up there. I don't know what Kyrie's going to do. AD's probably going to fall off because of injury. But like, it's it's an interesting conversation. But I love the whole always being disrespected uh, conversation because, you know, it's never really true. It's just hard to fucking, it's hard to put a guy up there. It's not easy. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not like, it's not a slam dunk just to put him up there, you know? hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. All right, folks. Uh, right now, Phoenix Suns are hands down the favorite to come out of the West. Like not even close. There's not another team that can even mess with them. They are coming out of the West. Big fact of fake news. Fact, yeah. yeah, I think they're I think they're coming out of West. Uh, my my big thing was CP3's injury going into the playoffs. There were reports he might not make it back in time, and that was a concern for me. But now that he's back in the lineup, he's getting his legs back under him in these last couple of games, and he's back to health. Their roster's pretty full strength. Um, Cam Johnson, I believe. I'm not, what's the deal with Cam Johnson? He's, is he back soon? I'm not sure. I haven't. Uh, there was something. Didn't play up, last game, yeah. Yeah, there was something up. I, I'm not sure, but I love Cam Johnson. That team is that team's fun as hell to watch, and you know they're like uh, you know it would be great to see them in the finals again. Um, I agree with you. I think I think they're hands down. Um, I think they're hands down the best team. They've got 
look, they're deep. They've got superstars. Like, well, you got Paul Booker and Aiton, and then you've got great role players and Bridges and Crowder. And, you know, and then you got Cam Johnson and shit. You even have JaVel McGee giving you something. You know, it's, they're a great team to watch. You know, campaigns, you know, he campaigns a pain in the ass, but the fucking guy like, comes hard. You got Landry Shamit running around shooting threes. They're a fun team to watch. Monty Williams does a good job. I think they're hands down. Um, it wouldn't be su- it wouldn't be surprising to me if Dallas or Memphis made it to the fi- the conference final and pushed them to six or seven. I think the- I think one of those two teams are going to surprise surprise in the playoffs. Not that Memphis is a big surprise; they're fucking second. You know, they're I think they're second in the West. But um, I think I think it would be a really good Western Conference final. But I-, I just think they're too good to for any of those teams to really mess with them. So I I agree. I I think it's fact they're going to make it. All right. Last thing, Bogues, we're going to go with our Phoenix Suns run this week. DeAndre Ayton, top five center in the NBA. Fact or fake news? Oh, it's a squeeze in my opinion. Mm, I have Jokic at one, obviously, and B2. I think Towns is above him. Um, All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you seven names. And then just mm-hmm. sort of just, you got Jokic, no, no order. Jokic and B, Gorbear, Ayton. Bam, Pounds, and I'll even throw two more in there. I'll throw Vucevic, and I'll throw Jared Allen in there. So is he a top five in that list? So you got Jokic and Embiid, whatever. You got one, two, whatever. Yeah. You got those guys in there. I've got Cat up there, my three. Um, I, I then think Gobert, Bam, and DeAndre, um, Aiden, uh the three for that next two spot, in my opinion. But look, I think, I think record-wise and what they're doing, I'd probably knock out Gobert and put him in six. I would put Aiden in, in four and Bam in five, and I base that on Miami and Phoenix's record. So I would say, fact, he's just in the top five, and he continues to get better, and they're winning games um, now. You know, you take him out of that lineup and put him in the Utah Jazz. Does he have the same effect as Rudy there? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think DeAndre's a victim of being around some really good players too. And there's the flip side. If you put DeAndre on a shitty team or his numbers are even higher than they are now. So you can argue it both ways. But I would say he just scrapes into that top five as of today. Yeah, I have I have the same thing. I have I sort of have the same ranking. I think I think Gobert sort of takes a little bit of a um I think he sort of takes a little bit of a hit from what the team's doing. But here's the thing when you're talking about Utah and, and what's gonna happen. You know what? What happens if if that was flipped? See, I think Aiton's a very good player, but I don't think he's an elite player at any particular thing. I think yes, he does play with really good players. He's got a lot of talent as far as running the floor. He's got good footwork. Um, you know, he could block some shots and he's he's mobile and active. But like, there's not one thing that he's like, wow, he's one of the best I've ever seen. Like, you could compare Embiid to Olajuwon with his offense. You could. You know, you could compare, like, Jokic, you could compare him to, you know, Sabonis, you know, the older Sabonis, or you could compare him to Bill Walton, or you can compare him to great players like that. Um, Gorbert is elite defender. You know, that's yep. what he does. Like, you, I, don't think if you, I, I don't think if you put Cat or um, Aiton in Utah, they're as good. But yes, they're good scorers and things like that, don't get me wrong. But I think that Gorbert is that perfect defender that doesn't need the ball even though he wants the ball but he doesn't want the ball i mean he doesn't need the ball he could do it on the defensive side 
better than better than any center in the league. So it's a, it's an interesting deal. But I, yeah, I think he's a top five center. I think he's right there at number four or five. Some people like Bam. Some people like Aiden. Uh, some people like you know whatever they could. You know, I've, I've heard arguments on both sides for those two, but I think he's in the top five. I think he's a very good player. Like I said, I don't think he's an elite in anything, but he he fits that Phoenix. He's solid. Really well. He's solid. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got. I mean, he's got really nice touch around the basket. Decent, decent footwork. He's consistent. He's 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 you know above average in in a lot of different um, areas. Which which goes to your point of like he's just consistent across the board, but not elite at anything. But which is exactly what the Suns need. They don't need. They've just got so many good players. They don't need a guy that's elite at, at something at the center spot. You know what he reminds me of Robert Parrish a little bit for that those '80s Celtics teams. Like yep. he's an all star level talent, not a player that's going to like carry you. But he he really fits in. He could score Just twenty on any given night. Yeah. yeah, and he's really good. He's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, like Parrish was. I don't think he'll play as long as Parrish, but um, yeah, he's a good player. But top five, I agree with you. Well, they got to they got to max him out, pro. Um, if that owner still has the team by the time that negotiation <laughs> happens, yeah, why why not? But um, I think that they sh- they need to. Like you got to keep everybody in. Keep the band either. together at this point, even if CP three aging. Drops off a little bit. You got to keep that that group. That group is going to be a really tough group to beat in the next five or six years, if you can keep them. And they're young. They're young. Like their core is young. They've got five or six good elite years at a prime NBA age. You'd be an idiot to try, you know, try and lowball him or I'll give us a bit of a discount. Just max him out. Get it done. Yes, you're going to be over the cap a little bit, but guess what? You're going to be in a conference finals for the next four or five years. You'll make that back in ticket sales, buddy. So get it done. And we'll see what happens. But that wraps up episode 59. Appreciate everyone joining in again. Sorry about the hiatus. Um, and we will endeavor to get back to you next week with some more at Rogue Bogues on all your social media platforms, uh, at Hoop Consultants for Pro and his basketball analysis. And we will see you all next week, Pro. But Bogues, before I leave, I was 400 points down in my fantasy league in the first round of the playoffs. I was the number two seed, 400 points down. Because I had all these injuries, I want to keep guys because I didn't know if they were going to come back at the end of the year. I ended up cutting them all. And then I just started <laughs> getting this guy and that guy and that guy. I ended up winning by like 150. Now I'm in the finals and I'm, I'm probably going to win. 400 bogues. I was about to jump off a bridge. And now I'm fucking GM of the year. What's the cash, What's the cash win? Nada. Because I'm a fucking moron. But no, just one of those things that I did because <laughs> I was like an ESPN league. And I was like, you know what? Let me just do it. I had a Yahoo league. Then Anthony Davis screwed me. Every player I had got hurt. The, um, the one in the ESPN league, I had a bunch of injuries like uh, John Collins out for the year. Um, you know, a bunch of guys and, and a bunch of my heavy hitters. So I started getting guys just like off the scrap heap, like, you know, and just getting guys here and there. And this guy got me 40 points. And this guy got me 40 points. And yeah, ended up like this guy must have been pissed. Folks. I've never been up 400 points, not even close, but being down 400 is like, you got no chance. And I just fucking grinded it out. I got to made a run, baby. Made a run. Yeah. You shouldn't, you always got to bet something, man. There's a bit more, you got to have some skin in the game, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't have any skin in my fucking bank account. So if I did, I probably. Oh, I bet would. a cheeseburger or a Buffalo Wild Wing, you know, are right you up fucking, your alley. I, are you fucking serious? That's gold to me, baby. Fuck that shit. <laughs> All right, man. See you next week. Later, folks.